0: Previously, we spoke about the rise and fall of the Roman Empire and its debut on the religious stage. Did Rome actually fall, or did the political world domicile powers get absolved into the Roman Catholic Church? In this episode, we further the discussion with the papacy of the Roman Catholic Church and its journey through time and into the times of the Protestant Reformation. Here, we'll begin to see how their power hold forced the hand of many Christians of those times to break from the church and look at life through a finer lens. What's fascinating about this conflict is how the religious movement sparked a renaissance and awakening revolution that grew worldwide and formed much of what we are today. It also engaged a formation of a particular militant group of priests called the Jesuits to counter the revolution by any means necessary. And I mean any means. As we take a closer look at these occurrences, it's almost like we're having deja vu because of the deep similarities we're experiencing today. Makes you wonder are many of the same philosophies and our workings or powers still in play that we can learn from? We bear the question again. Did Rome really fall? What's going on everybody and welcome to the Daily Transcendence Podcast. I'm GOD and I'm Ray. And we're your hosts. Take a journey with us into the realms of some of humanity's most inner thoughts and theories about what lies before us and beyond the other side. Take a step back with us from the day-to-day heavy burdens of this constant evolving life. From awakening the collective, astrology, the spiritual divine, holistic health, shamanism, and quantum theory, to the frequencies and vibrations of our universe, history, religion, numerology, and so much more, we spend countless hours researching
1: to bring you the breakdown of information from some of the greatest minds in these fields and even our own experiences. We're here to challenge your thoughts so that you can reshape your own minds and beliefs into ones
0: that better serve you. We hope you enjoy the discussions about the supernatural and the ancient knowledge that we have become so fond of, and we wish to share with you so that it may also help you on your quest in this human experience we're living let the transcendence begin godspeed and share on
1: like and subscribe to the daily transcendence on spotify apple podcasts and many more to show support for the show we ask you to join us on all social media platforms including facebook instagram twitter patreon and youtube there you can find more content updates on new episodes and more personal interactions from both geo and i we want to hear from you all and connect, so message us or email us at thedailytranscendence at gmail dot com. As always, we entirely appreciate your support and allowing us to bring you this transmission. I wonder if any of the kids that grow up with a lot of money are in one of these royal families, like look and say, "Dad, like why do we do this?" You know, but they probably don't.
0: And they give them. some you know? it's just a habit, bullshit, probably.
1: Yeah, traditions. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's. Probably has a lot to do with it, and so that's why it, I guess it's real important to to make sure to cover all ends on the occult stuff so people understand it completely. Yeah. You know, like, get rid of the taboo about it. Cl- clear the air. Like, look, the occult are hidden things that can potentially be good. You know, it's neutral itself but you have people that are religious or new age or anything like that. And they've taken the knowledge for themselves and have become superior in their own minds and they've become their own gods. Yeah.
0: And also, also just the fact of the, the, the the hype around it, the reason why is it, why is it such a, such a big thing to the point where we've, they they got to a point of sitting there and you know, this, this information, this knowledge and this wisdom has moved all over the world, um, throughout history, throughout time, um, has been constantly fought over in a way that literally has, has been something that still to the, till this day has got, has been stuck in our conscious life, our, in our subconscious and it's still in our, now it's in politics, which is the big topic of discussion of how that even comes into play, uh, comes into play with church and state. Um, and we do the church is bigger than Paul. Poli- it's the church. Oh
1: yeah. yeah. For, from what I've studied, right? Mm-hmm. So what I've read, it's 90% church, 10% politics. It's that the church got into politics. Yeah. That's all it is. It, it stemmed from the church. And I'll say it right this time because I, I was saying it wrong. The papacy. Mm-hmm. It it was them. It was Constantine and on. And who knows, obviously, that uh, I, I said it last time. Before Constantine, there was probably other human beings that did this in other cultures that maybe aren't documented. That there's some guy that gained these, this knowledge or had this power or whatever and they used beliefs because you can manipulate a human so easy with just beliefs. Look, we've done it. Mm-hmm.
0: I think they've that, done it for how long? Yeah, and I think the most well the most well known when it comes to that, it goes back to the whole thing of of Babylon and ancient Sumeria. Those mm-hmm. those that those kings and stuff were ones who did that as well. Just that, just as far as religion wise, it wasn't the same thing, but they allowed the the esoteric knowledge to flow. They allowed it to be a thing. The thing was, though, is if you didn't, you know, you're an astrologer back then for the King of Babylon and he tells you to see about this war or whatever and stuff like you better make sure you're telling him some good news or else he's going to fucking put you in jail or kill you. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's the only thing with that. Um, but, and you got to think about that too. Were people of that, I mean, obviously their conscious was developed You know, could they have been like, that's not what I want to use my skill for. I don't want to I don't want to help this king or this ruler or somebody be able to figure out when to kill or slaughter people or steal land or to 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 do this pompous type bullshit and stuff like that. Like, I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to go to a new land. I'm going to teach Mm -hmm. new people that want to learn it for the real divine reason. And that's where you can see the migration of it kind of go into more of the West Uh, To the points of doing it where it's, you know, Jerusalem and all that place. And, you know, the Essene catching on to that shit as well. And then the Egyptians and the Egyptians to the Greeks and the Greeks, you know, that's that's the big thing is like the Rome is like the like is like the prophecy coming to fucking life of the Bible. And it's so funny how they fought both Protestants and the Roman Catholics and you're you're talking after the Roman Empire and stuff, obviously. I mean, of course, during, because you had you had inquisitions going on before the Reformation and everything. It mm-hmm. was just it was going on all over the land. But you had mostly everybody was Roman Catholic. You know, even in the time of, you know, Julius Caesar, you had everything going on as as far as there with Pompey. But like even when that's why when we did that whole episode of looking back at the Roman Empire, you see how just that idea just that that. Like, what the fuck drove them? Like, why were they so hellbent? Like, where did that culture come from? Why was it so, like, such a thing to be like, we got to rule it all? You couldn't just be happy with a little bit. Where did the greed come from? I think that's part of the divine. I think that's part of something that was already set in place as far as you want to talk about rulership over, over the world. You know, yes, the the God and the divine is in charge. And as the ultimate supreme being, but as far as uh, in our physical existence, you know, there is some sort of entity, I guess, that or energy, whatever, you, whichever way you want to look at it, from uh, that holds some sort of power over the physical world um, in such a way that it's like it gets in the mind of men. Yeah, well,
1: it's like what you're saying is, is the stage is kind of set, and it would follow the whole astrology rule you know, like as above, so below. So in the stars, there are corruption. In the stars, you have bad aspects and bad placements and, and things that, if it were to play out, it would be like things that we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. You know, like the Dark Ages being the end of the age of Pisces, and the last degrees of Pisces are garbage, you know, meaning they're hard. They're, you lose, that's it. Like, think about it. It's the end of the road, the spiritual road, right? So the end of Pisces is kind of like, you're spiritually done like it's it's time to let go It's time to let your beliefs go and all that, and who knows, maybe all the Roman Catholic stuff and all this happening in the dark ages, the middle ages, all that was part of the astrological story because it has to be there for the just like when like you're looking at a waveform and it has to do a certain thing to be a wave, right mm-hmm. well, maybe with like evolution of humans and the mind and all that. It has to go in a certain, it's got to do the, what you know, what's your thing with the uh, conservation and whatever, like maybe even, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: maybe consciousness has that same form, right? The same movement, but it has to play out an actual experience. And who knows? Maybe all of that stuff is, oh, they hid the knowledge, they became, you know, they they did, did a crusade, they wanted to take over the world, they wanted to, whatever... That could be all part of the story.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you could look at this in all in all cultures. I mean, obviously, yeah, we're talking about the <clears throat> we're talking about Rome and, the, and the, the Roman Catholic Church and and its influence and everything. But um, yeah, no, it it you you see that because even throughout all that time of Rome's presence, that I'm talking about the empire of Rome's presence, you see how um, it rises, it falls, it rises, it falls, but it never like really completely like full out falls until like mid four hundreds. Um, after obviously after Christ um when, you know, they're the, the Germanic tri- uh, tribes and the Byzantine empire and like uh, the Huns, all, all those, they start to come in and start to sack Rome and stuff. But at that point that, that transfer of power was kind of already given, like we've said to the church and the, and the Pope and the Pope kind of has this overseeing of all the kings of the land, pretty much. It's like what happened to America. Like
1: America, like Protestants came to America after the, the Jesuits were suppressed and they wanted to escape Europe because of all the, the papacy and all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So they come to America and what did, the, all right, disappears for a little bit. They, they're like either gone or they're working behind the scenes. And then what do they do? They send a bunch of Roman Catholics here there ends up being religious liberty in the Bill of Rights and and the, the in the Constitution, and all they did was just infiltrate it from the inside out. Yeah, it's that easy. So something may perish and it may look like it's gone, like Rome looked like it fell, but all it took was just infiltration. Yeah,
0: that's it. And that's where you see where that that like during like that's why like the 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 key things like when you, even from like twelve hundreds. Yeah, maybe I'll say more of like, well, yeah, 1200s. But anyway, I'll, I'll broaden the spectrum, 1200s to even, and I'll just cut it at like, you know, mid 1600s, because the main thing during the Reformation was how that whole counter movement and the Reformation as well, like that's what brings up this development of being able to understand a new way of conducting business, basically. It was just like, hey, like, all right. Like it used to just be like, cool, you want that? Go get it. You know, it's, it's all right. we just killed people. Like, that's fine. Like, oh, it's real easy to control people. But when people started getting smart and a lot of that is credited to the fact of the Reformation, bringing on the Renaissance, bringing on the Rosicru- the Rosicrucian mo- movement and all that, um, because there was like so many developments of 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 universities and everything and scholars coming about and everything that this is what develops the intellect to a point where everybody's upping their ante at this point. and that's and that's the thing that I that, that that's so interesting to me as far as this this whole movement and everything. and um, that's why I also think that it's like important to understand religious history. And not just from your contemporary fucking history book either, because as you're seeing going through all this shit, you see how that's all fudged up too. So, Absolutely. I mean, like
1: they didn't, any of the history books from like the 60s or 70s on, there was a book called um, The Rothschild's Money Trust. I think it's by Gary Allen. I, I, I don't know if I'm right on the author, but- they, ex, they explain like the Rothschilds and the Jesuit order. They changed the history books. They, they, they had a, a, basically an agreement to change history anyway. So if you're going by modern day history books, mm-hmm. it's, been, it's been changed. You have to go to alter, alternative uh, sources because you can't go by what they wanted to. If, if something's a part of the system, question it. It's that simple. Don't get your, new, and I'm saying this for like anything. Never get your information from one source. I mean, I think isn't that common sense? Yeah. You know, so like if I'm, oh, I'm going to study history. Like I went to a college and I went to, you know, I, from intermediate school on to college. I'm a history professor or I'm a professor, you know, I'm a historian. And it's like, well, where did you learn everything from? Oh, a uh, books that my schools gave me. What school did you go? It's to? like, aren't you right? But like, aren't you smart enough if you're that smart? To be like, all right. Well, I'm gonna keep like reading books and learn things, and some people do, but you also have to check your sources always. Because now that I've looked at history, like with the Reformation and all that, it was never mentioned.
0: No, it, you know, like it doesn't mention the trickery. It doesn't ma- mention the funding as well. You know, so like that's why it doesn't matter what your personal religious beliefs are, or if you have any in general, because understanding this religious history. In this concept helps you understand like the lenses that it's looked through um, and like the different ways people have viewed their own lives, other people's lives, their communities and um, and and given all that, you know, that's why the Protestant Reformation is a big deal, because before the Reformation, you obviously most of Europe were Christians, but Roman Catholic Roman Catholic Christians, um, and obviously there was all different types of Christians in Eastern Europe, Asia, uh, Africa, but Roman Catholicism was dominant form of Christianity, and it had been since like the fourth century. Um, but before it broke out and stuff, you know, Western Christendom um, for all those first few centuries and stuff were, were still the there was still the main denomination and um you know yes you had like the the lutherans but uh, the, you know the apostolithic lutherans reformed lutherans free lutherans lutherans uh, that are just going back from from the catholic church because you know that's where it came from and it got too complicated like this is huge this is huge because of the fact that when you have that And and them looking at themselves in the world, it led to a wider European literacy and it eventually forced um, uh, governments to to even grant religious freedoms. And like you were even just saying, like even in the Americas, this this moved on to the Americas and at the same time, maybe being more of a political revolution than just a religious one. And that's the crazy thing. And I think as we're going through this you can actually see how we're mirroring this exact same moment in history. It's not It's all.
1: like uh, it, the history repeats itself is not... History repeats itself
0: is not an exaggeration. I, you know what? I was starting to think that that was bullshit for a little bit. Not like in the full sense, but I was just like, I was like, does it really repeat itself? Like, yeah, I like... How do I explain that? Like, Well, we choose it. We... We... <laughs>
1: It's kind of like our own personal habits. It's like I feel like the the collective consciousness has a has a habit, you know. And we don't step back. It's like kind of like you know uh, people who always smoke cigarettes after uh, after a meal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like oh, I gotta have a cigarette. It's kind of like anytime there's some sort of new leadership or things get pretty good. It's like okay, we just ate our delicious meal. We just. You know, had a had a good point in time, good point in life, but I got to go smoke that cigarette yeah. and then fuck up. Boom, back into your habit again. It's
0: like it gets embedded you know? in consciousness.
1: Yeah, and I think like collective consciousness. There's like a collective subconscious mind, and it's just like when we learn about like manifestation. Like your subconscious manifests things. Like if it's deep down in your core of your consciousness, like below your app, like awareness, that it manifests until you go into your subconscious. It's like the collective needs to do that. Mm-hmm. So like this whole thing with power and greed and dominating people with beliefs and religion and, and all that, it's a collective unconscious habit. Yeah. And that's why history repeats itself. You know what I'm saying? So it's all choice. Like history doesn't repeat itself because
0: God says so. It's because we say so. Because we have an amnesia. Amnesia. I can't, Oh, I don't know why I always wanted to say that would a B. amnesia. Mm. amnesia but yeah so i mean that's the and like i think you know i got a deck of cheese i got a deck of cheese but i don't that's i don't think like it's it's hard when you try to think about because i think i don't think a lot of people like really grasp the scope of the church's power in the middle ages and like to the point that it was so colossal that it would still have an influence today. I think there's people like oh. people were killed. Oh yeah. That's that alone just should say enough. I mean, imagine,
1: I'm, imagine right. If right now we're sitting here in our, in our houses or whatever, but if they somehow let's say you don't imagine this right with the COVID. If you didn't wear masks, you were beheaded.
0: Yeah. You were looked at as, That's as a basic, right? Yeah. Same thing. Blasphemer kill them that's and that's the thing though it was a lot easier to kill then it was a lot easier to yeah to be like oh yeah fucking no one's gonna miss them like, well,
1: let's not forget human evolution like it was more of an animalistic time savage. too like so it was a savage time on top of that there was no technology to really mm-hmm. monitor as much as we do mm-hmm. our morals and values were were very inward and selfish you know yeah like oh you yeah, had good people and whatever but i'm saying like religion ruled the world basically. And I'm talking not even just Roman Catholic, but Protestant and people really like used God as, and I'm going to say it this way. They used God as an excuse to be assholes, yeah. you know, or to be selfish, you know, because my God says this and like people would get defensive because that person's saying, well, if they're, if, the, his, their version of God says that, then it's opposite of mine. Well, fuck him. I'm going to tell him that my God's right. And that's how the whole war thing, it's a battle of ego. Yeah. So back in that time, you lack technology, you lack moral and values because we're, we're, we're in a deep amnesia over, and, and like forget the spiritual side of life and spiritual became mm-hmm. like material, you know? Yeah. So, so, and that could be also ingrained, you know, like the whole herd concept, like an, that's another unconscious habit.
0: Yeah. Well, you got to remember the fear that was there too, because with, with the coming about of, you know, obviously things, because a lot of people didn't, didn't read or write as well during that time, but it, it, a lot of stuff was obviously said by word of mouth. There was a lot of storytelling as well. And, you know, at that point with that amount of certain education, you know, yes, you have intuition as well, but with certain education, a lot of people needed guidance. They needed the guidance. And then you got to remember too. uh, you know, saying that, you know, the church having that much influence over such a huge amount of territory as well. uh, They were the caretakers of the most important things that Christians had, which was their souls, which was unlike our temporal bodies and were eternal. And then You know, you had the parish priest who played a pivotal role throughout every person's life, baptizing them. These were all things that they thought they needed to have. So the priest was baptizing them, marrying them, hearing their confessions, providing their last rites. The church also provided all social services for a lot of the poor fucking people there as well, distributing alms to the poor. They ran orphanages and provided what education, whatever education was available to. So. And and most Europeans um, would, in their lives, meet exactly only one person who can read the Bible, which was only available in Latin, and that was obviously their parish priest. So they were very mm. dependent on that. And then not only that, the church owned over one-third of the land in Europe. Like, that's huge. And this helped make them the most powerful economic and political force in the continent. And the Pope claimed authority over all the kings, like I said, in Europe. Um, and he also was the successor of the Roman Emperor, so this was just a very powerful institution to start with, and yeah well I'm oh, sorry no no I'm just yeah. saying and, and and until until we came to the point where because th- that was that was the simplicity on the Catholic side for them. they were just like, yeah, we got this on a wraps until obviously one one monk came along, and we know that as Martin Luther. I know there was other people, but we'll get into that,
1: yeah, yeah well they <laughs> The the papacy tends to claim two. I learned this already about the flag. You know the flag; it has the two keys. Yeah, and then it has the crown. Mm-hmm. What that symbolizes is the two powers that it has. Its first power is universal spiritual power over all individuals; that every person must be subject to the spiritual power of the pope. That there is no salvation outside of, say, the Catholic, for them, for that, for that specifically, for the Catholic Church, there's no salvation outside of it. And that's actually in the doctrine of the uh, Council of Trent. And then it was reaffirmed in the documents of the Vatican II, um, and it's still in the books of canon law. Mm -hmm. The other power was the temporal power, which means that the Pope believes that he has the right to rule over government. This counts for the civil government of every nation, that's what they believe, And that the temporal power can never be denied nor disclaimed. And that's what the logo on the Pope's flag means with the, with the triple crown or the, you know, it's got the, the the two keys in the crown. It's the Lord of heaven, Lord of earth and Lord of hell. And the two keys are the spiritual and temporal power. So they, they're saying it right on their symbolism right there. They believe they have power, not only over people, but over Mm -hmm. the rulers too.
0: that's the thing. There's so many, so much documented of, of the intention behind it. and, and, and the force of what what they decreed as being actual as well. Um, right. But yeah, so the, obviously then Martin Luther comes along and he's uh, he's uh, bringing the motherfucking ruckus <laughs> at that point. <laughs> so um, he initiated and shaped it all. And what's funny about him is he actually studied law ahead of time. He was a law student. But he stopped. Mm. Sounds like actually a lot of current law students, if you think about it. And uh, apparently the story is that one day that he was uh, the uh, like a storm came as he was walking and the lightning struck him to the ground. And in a panic, he like cried out, help me, St. Anne, I'll become a monk. I don't know how true that is, but then it's that he survived. He survived. And in the next two weeks, he withdrew from the university. He entered an Augustinian monastery, took his vows and sent a message to inform his family um, that he wasn't going to keep going to law school anymore. I'm pretty sure they were probably pissed about that, too. You know, you spent all that money on your tuition, guy. Um, but and then 1505, Luther was sent to the uh, sent to Rome on a diplomatic mission and he ignored all all the different things like the art and that everything that was going on in Rome. And he instead was like focused on all the corruption that was going on, you know, prostitutes openly soliciting themselves in the, in the filthy streets priests who made light of their duties and they were hurrying off uh, through mass uh, just to, just to do whatever they had to do and openly deriding church doctrine. So Luther was obsessed with, with all the bullshit that was going on and obsessed with his own sinfulness. And he kept confessing. And then finally his confessor and teachers sent him to a university in Wittenberg because, um, they were just basically annoyed with him and they figured he'd be good at teaching scripture. But then Luther found his, um, his answer pretty much in St. Paul's epistle and specifically in one line, which was in the Baton I think the thing was Baton and and it, the line was they just they just shall live by faith, and that was the main movement basically where it was that salvation it, under the Protestant movement of what Martin Luther was trying to say was that salvation comes through faith, not just good works, or sometimes well, not, and, not even good works at all. Well, and then the difference is
1: it, what's funny is they're they're both actually the same but different. Like mm-hmm. they the the the. Roman Catholics are saying worship us and only us and what we say. And then the Protestants are saying the same thing, but saying worship the Bible and worship God and what he says. So both are giving some sort of, you know, spiritual hierarchy of a, of a, of a, of a higher being, whether it's themselves or God, they're still saying, well, you don't have the power. Yeah. And that kind of doesn't really rub me the right way because because everything we've learned so far, now, like now in this more recent times of, of understanding this stuff, it's like that is giving your power away. You know, if you're not harming anybody, you shouldn't have to say, "Oh, just believe in this, just and believe in that." Of course, pay your homage to say God in a sense of the source of all creation and say, "Well, thank God." Or, well, yeah, thank God for for me being created. Mm-hmm. Be grateful, but to go in some sort of ritual. Like, you know, having the way the Roman Catholics worked with things and like how they had specific rules. And then the Protestants had the same thing. They were setting rules that they thought were right. They weren't, you know, how did the Protestants know their interpretation of the Bible was absolutely true? And then how did the Roman Catholics? They both didn't. They were both going on a hunch saying, no, we're right. And that's where I saw them being actually the same.
0: Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And and, then they claimed their claim. They claimed their difference because you know, the whole, the whole Martin, like Luther's view and the Protestant view was like, Oh, okay. Through faith. Like it was an eternal faith that it was a spirit that derived already within you. And it it wasn't through prayer or fasting or vigils, pilgrimages, relics, giving to the poor or sacraments or any action that a person can take. And he felt that we can never be good enough through our actions to merit salvation. We could only have faith. And he, he really embraced the uh the latin uh phrase of sola sola fide which means only faith and so with his new interpretation it grew into a full scale conflict with the catholic church because the catholic church had their motto of being like um um faith and this is how they worded i'm trying to remember it it was a faith through faith through good works and in faith through good works in love, but their main keywords in that was work, and in love. So it was like, who was right? And it was just a constant conflict between that as well. Um, uh, and then there was a friar named John Tetzel who came to Wittenberg, and he was selling indulgences, and that set off Martin Luther even more. And it, 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 indulgence, yeah, because you can go rape a a, a female or go kill yeah. someone and basically pay
1: the. The church to say, hey, forgive me for my sins. Yeah, exactly.
0: Like your sins were paid for by a price. Yeah, basically it was a promise from the Pope that <laughs> it would reduce the sinner's time in purgatory. Um, yeah, exactly. And the the Reformation
1: was actually a political disaster for the Catholic Church too because people were leaving the church in droves and especially uh, especially after Luther transcribed the Bible in, into German um, and, it, and it, he enabled the average person to read the truth of scripture for themselves. And that was a big, you know, that whole uh, missionary adaptation and um, you know, uh, basically Rome going through that period of time, we're going, if you read the Bible without us, like if you have your own private Bible studies and read it, then your your it's heresy. You're going to, we're going to kill you for it. You know, and Luther opened that door up for everyone and it created a political outrage too. Like it was economic, political and social.
0: Yeah. Dude, can you imagine that though? Sitting, <laughs> it's almost like you're sitting there going out like you're about to buy a whole life fucking insurance policy and just being like, yeah, hey, this is my, I need to go get a whole life, uh, complete forgiveness policy. Uh, you know, where can I find the nearest guy? And the thing was, that it was three marks. Apparently it was three marks, which was about a half a year's wage for labor. So you're paying about a half, a half a year's wages just to go get your some guy tell you, oh yeah, the pope said your sins are good. Meantime, did he even really talk to the pope? They send a bird out somewhere, and the bird comes back and shits on the paper. <laughs>
1: well, and that's and I know, guess me. that's why Luther got all pissed because he's like, I don't like. It's it's it's, it's literally ridiculous. modern day bribery. That's what it is. Yeah, it's it's it, funny. It, it's really stupid. It's actually, up.
0: It, it,
1: it, it's really stupid on like the. On both ends, in a sense, because the way Martin Luther did it was, is, hey, okay, you're fighting that, but then you're, you're, I, like, I don't know, man, I would have been lost at, well, you ha- believe it my way, or you'll also be, like, if, if someone's calling you a heretic for not following their belief systems, at that point, I'm questioning it, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I, how were people not that aware, like...
0: Uh, well, how do we know this jerk isn't right either? Well, I think that was, that was the problem that they ran into at that point as well, coming into this movement. I mean, you know, obviously Luther didn't like seeing uh, his parishioners handing over money that they didn't even have uh, for a scrap of paper that he thought was meaningless. So that was when in, in response to that, he wrote the 95 thesis against indulgences. And then, um, and then he nailed it to the church door And that was in Mm. October of 1517. This is what starts to lead to the debates with other men of the cloth. And during this time, Luther's position becomes even now, now he starts becoming radical. So this is where you get radical idealism moving in. Sound a little fucking familiar? Yeah, liberals. Yeah, exactly. Modern day. Fucking liberals and Republicans they're well, both in yeah. there who's right well, now now it's yeah both ends yeah it's there's there's so much radicalization on this shit so and and it's just crazy like it repeats itself oh yeah absolutely so now you get into this whole thing of like salvation and indulgence indulgences being the topic of conversation during the rise of this reformation that's going on um and starting from the statement that christians were saved only through faith and the grace of god um and Luther had upped the ante saying that the church's rituals didn't have the power to save souls. And then he argued that uh, that not only was that far from being infallible, but the church and the pope made errors all the time. Um, And that was a pretty bold thing for him to say. And then it got even more dramatic when Luther ultimately denied that the church and the officers of it had any spiritual powers at all. So Now he's just straight up calling them out, being like, you guys got nothing and he said they were con artists. Yeah, basically he's calling them out. I mean, that's the great thing about it, but you start seeing as you're going deeper right. in this, how it just, it creates, it, it's good, but it creates more of a mess. So he mm-hmm. also says that the priesthood was a human invention and that individual Christians didn't even need priests to receive the grace of God. Instead, Luther described a priesthood of all believers And this had gone from a call for reforming indulgence to now it's turning into a fucking revolution. And that's when 1521, Luther was called to defend his ideas before the Holy Roman Empire. Died of worms. Yes, exactly. With Charles V. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, dude. So now, like, you have Emperor Charles famously saying that a single friar who goes counter to all Christianity for a thousand years must be wrong. And then Luther was like, shut the fuck up. Like you're wrong pretty much. And, um, but dude, it's just a dick swinging party. It really was like, no, you're wrong. Well, no, you're wrong. And, and then the population allowed it. Oh, the population was just like a bunch of bobbleheads. Like, (laughs) yeah, right. Which one is going to tell us which ones were saved. I need to know how to save myself. That also also sounds familiar, doesn't it? Yeah. Is the COVID going to get us? (laughs) Yeah.
1: Oh, God gagging. Literally,
0: that's what's crazy about going into this. You're seeing, you're like, holy shit, that sounds like the
1: morons today. It repeats it, yeah. (laughs) But history does not repeat itself. Humans repeat themselves. That's That's what it is. History does, I mean, like, I guess history does too, because, no, actually, you know what? I lied. I, I would like, I guess this is, I don't know if this is a good example, but, the the nature isn't going to grow the same exact tree every time you know it's not going to repeat its own history i i don't know if that's a good example or not but like it, it's a constant evolution and humans are not you mm-hmm. know what i'm saying like yeah. with their ideals and their beliefs like at least nature moves on and like adapts to itself and starts to
0: evolve for what it needs to humans have a really hard time doing that yeah there's a lot of so. people that don't 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 know how to to move on or to so. they focus on, they focus on the so. problem instead of the solution. Um, but the thing was though that Emperor Charles kind of had a point to what he was saying because
1: yeah, what, did, what did Chuck have to say? Chuck
0: basically because him saying that um, a single friar go, uh, who goes counter to all Christianity for a thousand years must be wrong because plenty of times there was a bunch of radical friars who actually criticized the church's abuse and hypocrisies over the years. So but the thing was, though, they did that. But why was it more controversial with Luther doing it? I mean, I think, yeah, he was going a little bit uh, about it a little bit more radical with certain things, especially when it came to beliefs in the divine as well. Um, Mm. And it's like, why would Luther be more influential during this thing? Well, the main reason was because of the printing press. And this is where you see that it has a lot to do with the the literacy movement that starts coming in to all this that really plays the big important role in people are having having an active awakening during this time because Because a bunch of Floyd Mayweather's walking around oh god that was you know what I mean by that you can't read oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) I don't know he might be able to now but but prior I would hope so I mean you got all that money then again you got all that money you don't need to fucking read I guess huh that was his
1: dude that was he admitted that when he was fighting McGregor He's yep. like McGregor was like trying to get under his skin, like making fun of how he can't read. I saw this, and thing. he's like, "I make enough money. Why do I need to read if I'm making more money than you are?"
0: He's got a point there. I mean, I guess a little bit.
1: I'm not arguing it, yeah. but these people back in the day, when before Bible reading and all that, they didn't, they weren't actually Floyd Mayweather's yeah. because they were making jack shit. Yeah, they weren't getting the so, face
0: punched in for millions
1: of dollars. You know? Yeah, so uh, you know, right back at me, I guess on that I one. guess so. But yeah, no, you're right. So the, the and I remember reading about the printing press that was. That was that pivot moment. Mm-hmm. Like if that didn't happen, history
0: is completely different. Oh, definitely. Yeah, cuz most people, like we were saying, most people in Europe couldn't read, but a lot of people could, including obviously the priests, um and over 2000 editions of Luther's writings ended up appearing between 1517 and 1526, and his ideas uh started appearing in pamphlets and posters and cartoons. And uh, they were seen and read aloud, so it that that was the difference. It it reached millions of readers and listeners, um, and so Luther's ideas ended up becoming all over, and it's pretty much like the modern day fucking Tumblr, basically, and the modern day social media. You know he he found he found a way to get it distributed out there, and um, this is this is what's what really stirs the pot. For the whole thing. This is what creates
1: the Jesuits. Yeah,
0: exactly. So basically, yeah. And, and
1: counter reformation.
0: And I think especially because the fact that you got to remember with that all that ego and greed, like he also called it the Pope for being the antichrist. He calls out the papacy straight up for being the antichrist sent by the devil. And um, that's pretty radical of an idea. Um But the uh, his, his, his whole publications on this shit was was the fact that he also translated the Bible into German. And th- that was a local language. When every, well, obviously, because a lot of people... And he did that when he was locked up, too. Yeah. A lot of people didn't read Latin yet, except for, obviously, like I said, the priests and everything. But, you know... That's
1: how they had control, though. So then think yeah. about how much control they had at that point. They had a population that couldn't read. They They made it illegal to even if you wanted to learn and go or at least go try and read the bible or whatever it was illegal so they have these people living by their morals and values of their own claiming that they're godly and uh if martin luther doesn't make a stand then you're right like this was a good thing even though you could find flaws in protestant beliefs you can uh if this doesn't happen then we nothing ever gets out and the the way the Bible would have came through, even if it did or whatever, the way we evolved would have been, we wouldn't have what we have today. Yeah. So we could thank Martin Luther.
0: Yeah. This, just, just
1: as much as the king, you know, Martin Luther King,
0: both of them. Yeah. I mean, that's, he was able to, you know, Luther was able to reach the, the poor by doing that, was reached the, the lower classes of, of people, which obviously were a great majority. So for the first time ever, that non-priests could actually read the Bible for themselves. And, um, Mm. because of that, the German people who actually spoke instead of, instead of speaking Latin, Latin were, uh, the ones who quickly caught on. Um, and then you have hundreds of thousands of copies of Luther's Bible that were printed and people carried it in their pockets and memorized it. And now everyone could quote scripture and start discussing its meaning. Um, now, The thing with that, though, is Luther's theory was that if everyone just returned directly to the scriptures, uh, they would see uh, that that one single truth and that the church would be restored to its original simplicity. Right. No, there's no fucking, <laughs> there is no original simplicity. This shit is so half-assed backwards well, and no, so many according times.
1: to what, I'm saying according to what he believed. True, yeah. That's At, what, meaning that was his goal. Like, that's what he was shooting for is, oh, if I just get them to believe this, then they could just get back to themselves as reading the the scripture the way that he intended that it was supposed to be read. Yeah. So, like, the simplicity of Luther, no, is it, well, actually, is it simple? Yeah. Uh, Ye- yes, and yes no. yes it really is but we're at a point where the the truth still isn't out the truth was still hiding back in back in like India and the Bhagavad Gita mm-hmm. and like Sanskrit and all those people had the truth and that's where with the last episode talking about the Romans getting their dirty little hands on all this spiritual knowledge making things all literal or at least like a lot of these things misconstrued Martin Luther grew up in that era so he's still coming from the foundation of the, the King James Bible or, well, like that came, did that, that came, that came after actually, right? 16, yeah, 1611. All I right. Think. But, but still you had the Roman Catholic Bible,
0: mm-hmm. but still, he right? was, but he was still already. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and it was always the, in Latin. That was
1: the foundation.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think they had, mm-hmm. um, I think, uh, the Vulgate, the Vulgate was, was the, that was it, was yep. the, uh, was the official, uh, um, and that was Latin. Yes, exactly. And it was in mm-hmm. Latin. It was only read by the priest. Not only that, people right, weren't right. allowed to have it. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, cause then you had the index, uh, I forget what the hell was called. The index something it was basically a list of books that, but Martin Luther learned from the same,
1: that same one as where the Roman Catholics took. And so foundationally that it's, they think it's simple and they their way off.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the thing is with Martin Luther, you know, once you start making scriptures accessible to everyone and tell them that their opinions are just as good as those of the clergy what happens is that people start, you know, having different interpretations of what religious truth is at this point. So now yeah. you got a, too many chiefs, not enough Indians at this point now. So Luther's protest started creating spinoffs. You have the Zwinglians, the Calvinists, the Anabaptists, and then the spinoffs had their own spinoffs on top of it, of this whole thing. So now you're just creating this whole jambalaya of of what the hell the divine even means what's god who what's who gives jesus christ jubilee how do you get salvation and stuff it's literally like it's literally like a iron man and then you have the avengers and all the different avengers and now you got Mm ant-man and ant-man has its own movie yeah makes sense i'm not gonna make fun of thor though
1: Nah, thor is
0: this is my dude. Well, Thor's pagan too.
1: <laughs> Thor. Thor's day, Thursday, Jupiter.
0: Jupiter. Yeah. So, anyway, with all these, all these, den- now you have all these denominations, um, you know, Angelicans, Puritans, the Quakers, Presbyterians, Methodists, Baptists, you know, your sister.
1: Well, and the Roman Catholics are sitting back like, <laughs> fuck this. You know what? Let's call the
0: Jesuits. <laughs> They're like, screw this. We got to do something because now too many people are on this movement and people are learning. And well, they, that was, and that was the original goal of them was to
1: like, so at this point it is war and they create this Jesuit order. They create the society of Jesus. Ignatius is like, we got to kill these dudes. Yeah,
0: exactly. Cause they, they have, you know, that's where they start developing. Obviously the Catholic church has this counter reformation, which that's such a pacified word. Oh, counter reformation. Like, no, it was the Catholic reformation. You know, they were, they, and and in this they're taking care of their own house, but also, uh, Protestantism. And that's where you have, that's where you start going into it's counterculture. Yeah. And you have the conciliar movement, which it's, you know, you have the, the council was already there. The councils that that were in place were already there. And that was like the corporate side of the Catholic Reformation. And then you have the Jesuits who were more of the personal side of the Catholic Reformation. And the, the, the councils, um, you know, the councils were there and Luther believed because Luther approached the councils you know, right before all of this. And he believed at some level that things can be restored through a uh, church council to weigh on all these issues. Um, but uh, so he's doing the same thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, but the funny thing about the councils though, is cause uh, even back in 1378 um, for like pretty much almost well, like probably like uh, 40 years, 40 years, you have people, uh, papal schism where they had multiple popes and, there was this belief that the council was actually above the pope. But in theory, that was rejected because the more they were more so just a bunch of people meeting who didn't even really decide anything at all, no matter what, whatever they're declaring or decorations and stuff like that, the pope needs to ratify it anyway. So therefore, it's bullshit. They The council doesn't have any sort of power and stuff. Um, so, but then, uh, ca- the council that was, that we mentioned, it was the council of Trent though. Then the, because of this whole reformation, the council of Trent comes about in 1545 and yep, what's funny, 18 but, years. Yeah. But what's funny about that is like, they didn't convene all the time. They like convened in phases and like the first, like two years of it was like the first phase. And this is where they were just talking about more so issues and controversies of Protestantism. They, um, and and just saying how they reject the movement and it was convened by Charles the Um, but it was mostly doctrinal. It spoke about, they were trying to figure out justifications and then obviously, uh, you know, being able to talk about the Vulgate and role of tradition and all these principles and like basically Catholic views on salvation. And we kind of went into that already. Um, and then Trent basically just justified that faith by working in love, that whole thing. And, um, you know, but then you have the Vulgate, which was the 15th century translation of the Bible in Latin. And the church says that the Vulgate is the only official text. Um, and it can't be argue, argued over. Um, and they didn't want any new translation. Um, like something of that, like that was an example was uh Tinsdale. His, his translation mm-hmm. of of a word uh, Ecclesia was, con- was uh congregation, but they shot that down. It was like, Nope, it's, we're going to the Vulgate and it's church. It's not congregation; it's church, and I may mean, that seem like a big deal or a big difference, but it is. Well, goal goal one to
1: destroy Protestants and all that, but then the second goal is to restore the supremacy and the dominance of the Pope throughout the world. So it's like this is another goal of the Jesuit order why that's created and the Council of Trent because it's written in their in the canon laws of them too. Is like you're saying they basically say you know the doctrines are are, are they were being championed. Uh, with like the doctrines of grace, like the justification by grace through faith, the indoctrination by the scriptures. Sola Scriptura, I think is what they used to say, like by grace and by faith alone. And so this is the undertone of it all. Mm -hmm. The undertone of it all is to say, like the Pope is God, basically. He's the God's one hand man and that's it. Like what we're telling you is the truth. And it's just because it still just boggles my mind. Like they're both really truly saying the fucking same thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's the, unbelievable. I, I definitely, I definitely get, I definitely get it. But it, it got to the point where it's just, it was, it, it you're fighting radical with radical now. and you know, you're fighting fire right. with fire and yeah. nobody's, nobody's winning. It's Democrat, Republican. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really, it is. And you're not, nobody's, nobody's winning because there's no bipartisan effort. I, I And know. that's what the country was
1: founded on, by the way, too. Yeah. Because when you learn about the country, Protestants heard about America and, and there was religious liberty, and they came here because they were seeking that. Mm -hmm. And then all the Roman Catholic, uh, or like all the the, the papacy and all the Roman Catholics had to do was hear about it and go, oh, well, let's just send our people over there too. And uh, oh, they vote? They could vote? Oh, okay, so if we get more Roman Catholics over there, we could overrun them, we could infiltrate it, (laughs) come in from the inside out, and then there you go. Now you have the way the country's founded, like after the Revolutionary War, you have this, You know, this land of freedom, of religious freedom and all that. And then you have the two sides.
0: Yeah. Uh, There you go. The Reformation drove them, drove them to do that because, I mean, yeah, they were already kind of doing that stuff in other countries like in Asia and everything and Africa and stuff. But um, this drove them even more, especially because of hearing what was going on over there and stuff, obviously, to the loyalists as well. But um, that council, that council of Trent really was like the because obviously you think about it this way when sh- something came up, when it had to be, af- you know, affirming certain things and restoring certain things uh, of the papacy and stuff, they obviously had to go through the motions of making a council. But that's why they created the Jesuits, because it was like, hey, this is more hardcore and we have to bypass all this red tape like we need to create something besides this, something that's going to be real loyal to the pope. Like, we're not letting this schmuck of a monk sit here and, you know, and that's their words, not mine. Schmuck of a monk going to sit there and and bring this whole thing down. Like, who the hell is he? You know, and there's that egotistical part. So now you have the second phase and they start up in the ante even in the council because they're using the Jesuits behind the, the council to do their more personal dirty work. And, and, and this, this part of the phase literally only lasted a year of this meeting of the council, which was where they established the treaty of Paschal, uh, the peace of Osberg as well. Um, and this was supposed to try to bring some sort of balance between Lutheran and, and Catholic perspective. Um, and then you also have transubstantiation, which was understand, which literally went into the whole understanding of, uh, is, is Christ's presence actually there when we're doing the sacrament of the body and blood of christ being taken is it actually his body and his blood they had a council over this talk about ritualistic yes and it actually turned into where they affirmed, drink the blood yeah. and eat the body of christ they affirmed doctrine. <laughs> yeah, the that's not ritualistic yeah they affirmed a doctrination and then they being like hey yeah it's the actual essence of christ it's not that it's the form they weren't trying to say I mean, they were trying to in the beginning, but that what when they affirmed it, they weren't they. No, of course, right? Yeah, yeah they were symbol. saying that it's, it's not the form, symbol. but it's right. the actual essence of Christ. Like no, Christ but when is you
1: there. when when you learn occult magic though and all that, that's all it goes back to. One more time, or return it one more time. It's back to Lucifer. What they're saying with this piece of bread. And or whatever the hell that thing is, and the the wine and all that is oh, it's the blood of Christ and the body of Christ and all that, and they're symbolizing it and they're putting their intention into it and saying that's what this is, even though it's not. It it's the essence, just like something can be the essence of Lucifer. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's and and, and to be honest, you know, the Council of Trent they laid out the focal point there. They they gave the direction and said, hey, the Catholic Church, they're the sole authority. And that goes on for four centuries. So that might have only lasted a year of the whole like, you know, plotting, planning, talking, all that. But it goes on for four centuries. Yeah. The traditional rules, the, the traditions of the Catholic Church rule. Mm-hmm. And you could still today go to their doctrines, read about them, and they still follow them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it might have even been just a, just an 18-year council in a short period of time. But that affects centuries of ways people do things, yeah. And if you talk to Roman Catholics, do they all of them still abide by it? There's dude, a my grandfather is a, is a Catholic. I think there's a lot of people that They don't even well. That's but that's the thing though. They well, don't, don't know. know. Yeah, right. They don't. They didn't go read the uh, the doctrines. Yeah. I. I but I, that's I, your problem. Then why are you? All right. Okay. So right back at those people. Then why are you in that religion? You don't even know what they stand for. Yeah. You don't. If I'm if I'm in a group, say which I would never be. But the thing is, is if I'm going to go join some sort of group of people that have these morals and values about life and these rules and whatever, I'm just going to say I'm with them and they have a whole book describing what their foundations are. But uh, did you read them? Oh, no, I didn't read them. And what the hell are you in them for? Why did you choose them? Because you heard one or two things that you agreed with. You're right. And and, and even with like, dude, it goes right back to fucking politics. Wow, did you know that the Democrats did this and this and that? Oh no, I didn't hear that they did that. But they uh, support teachers. You're
0: not, you know what I'm saying? You're not getting. You're not getting the full spectrum. You know, right? You're, you're, That's my point. You're not digging. Yes. Di- you're not digging deep enough. And, and so you're
1: right, though. You're right by them. Sorry, but that you're right by going. Oh, most people don't know that stuff. But then to me, I see that as well. Then why are you a Catholic? Then why are you a Protestant? You don't even know the doctrines. Yeah.
0: I do believe that a lot of, that many people in their religious beliefs or whatever beliefs, they don't even have to be necessarily religious. A lot of people tend to end up becoming victims of, of, of them. But a lot of times they're victims of their own, like you're saying, they're victims of their own uh, ignorance of themselves. Yeah. Of themselves. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, and that's the thing that's like, what's trying to be said is that like, don't become the, you know, don't become the victim. You know what I mean? It's not to sit here and throw, shade at anybody and stuff like that oh i'm not throwing shade no, no, absolutely. I'm, I'm bringing awareness yeah it's a day and sometimes it sometimes it does take a little bit of a of a of a, of a more upfront approach to be able to to have that wake-up call to have that shake there's many oh, things straight in my up life. Yeah. i think that's the problem with most people are honest in the role
1: like i feel like uh like people are honest and they stick up for their beliefs but without really fully embodying what they're talking about. So if someone goes, oh, that person's a racist, but they also hate a race, (laughs) then they're Mm -hmm. not abiding to the thing that they're preaching. So if you're going, well, I'm Catholic, how dare you? It's like, did you read the doctrines? Oh, no, you didn't. So I'm not being actually a dick. I'm bringing up, isn't that the truth? Yeah, yeah. You know, No. it's just people don't realize it and Mm -hmm. then they're defensive and they don't, you know, like it's to me, it's ignorance is what is destroying the world and it's because people are ignorant in their own belief systems what they what their traditions are where did your traditions come from do you know the history how come i'm not a roman catholic or i'm a protestant but i probably know just from a few weeks of reading i probably know more than 80 percent of the people that are in I who knows i'm assuming and i could be making an ass out of I myself i
0: can't disagree with that though i mean it's it, it's 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 pretty much true, though. But it's what's crazy, though, is like because that's that's why I get I, I get that standpoint, too, because I look, you look, you can literally use this as an example. You could use Martin Luther even as an example. He tried. He tried to 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 go more so maybe of the uh, passive passive route going to the council. He believed that the council can convene all sorts of different, even the separations of the churches to sit there and be like, Hey, can't we all just get along? Can't we just make a decision? Can't we all just compromise and live in peace and stuff? But then it got to the point where he couldn't. So he had to go radical. You know what I mean? So like, that's, that's where it's an understanding. It's the same shit that's happening today. It's the same shit that's happened with other protests and revolts and stuff. Look at the same thing with, uh, you know, what's, what's going on today. It's, They feel that it's like, hey, no more peace, no more justice, no peace. Because how many times are we going to do that? They're like, you know, people that their excuses that Martin Luther King did that already tried the peaceful route didn't work, you know, and I get that. I get the frustration. I understand it. But, you know, this is where you have to be really like picky choosy about what you do, because just as you're seeing in this, how it just creates more and more complication. It does in turn, create more of an awakening and a conscious revolution. But in the same sense, things just are piling more and more onto the truth that are harder to uncover at this point, Mm. which leads into the whole third phase of this council where it was from uh, 1562 to the 63 where the church now at this point, the church itself through this council are starting to clear house they're starting to put the house in order where there's not going to be any reconciliation of Protestantism. Now, they're at the point where we're not even going to talk about this. They, um, you know, they reaffirmed the doctrine of purgatory as well, saying that, yeah, you know, the pope, that yeah, that's the only way you're going to you're going to be able to, uh, you know, be clear of uh, purgatory and stuff as well. Um they reaffirm all moral. Uh, they do all sorts of reaffirmed moral reforms and ushering the church into new way of doing things. Uh, identifying and regulating relics, indulgences, and the election of bishops and their works. So now they're going back to the true root way that which they originally started from. So they're radicalizing at this point, the Vatican and the papacy, um, and because of what's going on with the whole Protestant. Movement that's going on, they start pushing for a new sense of education and its funding. So making new universities and seminaries because they didn't want Protestantism being the only force of education at this point, they realized that people are waking up. People are smart. We need to indoctrinate them. And once again, I find that fucking crazy because it's like the same exact thing that's happening now. All of our political issues never used to be things that were, um, mended with school as much anymore. And now you got these issues and stuff being pushed, I'm not saying whether I agree or disagree, but I do think a lot of times keep the politics out of school, keep the politics out of young minds. They don't need to be know They don't, not that they need to, don't need to be knowing this stuff, but they don't need to be indoctrinated with it. And you're seeing the well, same shit happening today. My,
1: it goes, dude, it's funny because I like, I already kind of knew this deep inside myself, but now that I'm putting it in words, I'm really like hearing myself say it. It's like, really, it's like, why do you consider yourself a Democrat, a Republican, a Catholic, a Christian, if you haven't fully understood what the core fundamental beliefs are, you know, at at its roots? Do you know the history? Do you know everything? Like if I'm, if I'm gonna actually pick a team, I'm gonna pick a team because I agree with everything they do. If not, I start my own team. Mm-hmm. But if I find someone that believes everything, everything that I'm about, I'll join them. But have you checked your church? Have you checked your religion? Have you checked your politics? And I'm talking full, not p- pick something because they say one or two things that you're in accordance with that you agree with and you go, "Oh, well, you know, once again, I'm going to use the Democratic thing with the the because te- I always hear teachers go, "Well, uh Democrats always, you know, help out the teachers and all." That. So I'm a Democrat. It's like, "Yeah, but what about the 90% of the shit that you Or saying that you don't even know about. What what about all the other things? Do you not agree with this? Oh, I don't even know that they said that or that they did that. You know, I just know that they're for teachers. So, And and that's what I look at with all this. Like people back in the day were like, oh, well, just, you know. I'm a Protestant. Well, why? Because uh, they believe in God. They're not the Roman Catholics, yeah. You know, I feel like some people will pick Democrats cuz they're not
0: Republican. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. It it's yeah. it's literally that's literally what we saw there with that and what we're seeing till this day with yep. ideals. Mm-hmm. It's exactly it's literally right. picking and choosing like honestly I I I think the safest place and even even that sometimes is not if you don't get yourself in check as well is your own sovereignty. That's where the invested time should really be into being absolved of any of trying to re re you need to be reforming yourself, not reforming a larger movement necessarily. You didn't even give yourself a chance. If you're gonna go separate from one sort of movement to another just because it's already in swing and it's already in motion, you're not really giving yourself a chance to be able to figure out what you really, really truly believe and feel deep down inside someone no else is deciding it. Yeah, cuz you haven't shed you haven't shed off any of your 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 old inhibitions at all. You haven't shed them. And this yet. is what people did, but this so
1: like when to wrap your mind or like this is to the listener right now like to wrap your mind around our history and how things were developed when it comes to politics and and religions, it was because of this and it still exists today. It's the big picture. People just pick things because it suits them. But like be out of like laziness and ignorance like oh they it's that those few things and it causes me not to have to think about it 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 allows me to run away from myself and not think about myself because they're telling me what to believe and it's like yeah some people are in the religion there are religious people that are in it and understand it and have it for the right reasons you know yeah. I mean I've even heard like uh, certain people say you know I'm Christian you know but um, uh, like I all right here we go a vegan being being Christian, but they sacrifice lambs and make lamb like it's like that's against your that's a now you're a vegan. Like technically that's actually against religious law. Like to certain I'm saying to certain denominations. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's a that's a raw and kind of shitty example, you know? But that's all, all I'm saying is is people will just I I alright, ninety five percent of when I'm talking about God or I'm talking about beliefs, or I'm talking about they, they're oh, there's always that thing where they're like, yeah, but I don't agree with that thing that they do, but I still am that,
0: you know? Yeah, oh, you know what I'm saying? No, yeah, right. absolutely. I mean, because it even goes, it even goes back with, um, even, even, even to this day. When you actually do look at the papacy now today, there's a lot of doctrine that they change now too, to go along with the new world. They, mm-hmm. the, the original, the original. I mean, not gonna even even the Vatican was against this whole, uh, this whole pushing for the jab at some point. They were against vaccination. That's why you had religious exemption. Now the Vatican changes what they say and be like, oh yeah, no, it's okay. We need to do this. It's okay, my followers. Go for it. You'll be okay. And people are just like, Pope said it's alright. Stick me up. Go ahead.
1: And if you're a Roman Catholic, you're... You agree with both those things that Gio just said. Like, meaning you agreed with being against the jab and with the jab and then against the jab and with the jab. And it's like they're changing their minds, they're changing their whatever, and you're going along with it. And someone who maybe at that particular point, like if I'm a Roman Catholic, right, and I hear them go and I'm for the jab and they're like, I'm not for the jab, but I'm still Roman Catholic. It's like, yeah, okay, we're getting into like, um, you know, nuances and little things, but it's like, well, this is what happens when you follow a group. Eventually there's going to be a thing that that group doesn't agree, like it doesn't agree with you. So why pick the group? Like why I get, we've we've talked about congregation and being with people and all that, but let's not involve deep belief systems, like ones that we really, that affect our own lives because you're never gonna be the same as another person. Joining a group is so dangerous for like your own personal sovereignty and your own personal like individual thought. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I might be overthinking that like a little bit or penetrating it a little too too much, but I'm just saying this is what caused, like we're still on these, the morals and values of, oh, just pick something because you slightly agree with it is still running the earth. And that's a lot of problems because people aren't thinking for themselves and they're thinking, they're having groupthink. And that causes all the chaos.
0: And that's the point of even understanding this is because you don't realize how far the indoctrination goes back. Because mm-hmm. people are very, very quick to be like, I'm not indoctrinated. I don't I don't do what I'm told in that way and stuff like that. But you don't realize why are it you with them? This is just your original structure. Even if you're not even with a group, let's just say, let's just say you're not even with the group. Do you really understand why you think the way you do with certain morals and values that you have? Or is it because the group said it? Because my parents taught me. Right. Yeah. Where do they get them from? Their parents. Da- Where do their Daddy parents Pope. get them? Come on. And most of the times it goes back to some sort of thing. That's why the same thing even. And once again, I'm not bashing any religion in this way. And I know it. This sound, isn't religion. No. Yeah, you're right. This isn't religious bas- bashing. <laughs> this is uh, logical conversation. Yes, exactly. Like, listen, here's the thing. I say it all the time. Right. I grew up Christian. Right. I don't like the label. I don't like to use the label. Do I have my, what you can say, a Christian faith? Absolutely, I still do. But I don't identify with the same way that the group may necessarily identify. I probably actually in that, say, if I was to go with that group, they'd probably be like, you need saving. You need Jesus. They probably would say that to me. And I'd be like, hey, that's, that's your belief. Sure, but I know what I feel in my heart though. So my thing is though, I say it the same way where even them, the intention may still be good. I'm not talking about all Christians either. And 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 I always say this, but my mom is part of that as well, right? She's part of that group as as well, where it's very, you know, yes, very scripture based, very, yes, understandable. But even some of the things that they put an importance on, do they even realize? why there's such an importance on the things that why do they put such an importance and they they put it back to scripture and everything and stuff like that but do you understand the importance on that part of scripture do you understand where the importance came from on that certain part of scripture oh well because it's God's word yeah but who interpreted who interpreted it when you look deep into this information especially with what I want to get into and stuff when it comes to textual criticism a lot of shit that happened not that long ago And yes, obviously there was, like I said, there was the earlier forms of textual criticism and you had the the first, second, third and fourth century where it was really allegorical stuff was being talked about, especially with ancient writings and scriptures and stuff like that. And then you have it also during the Reformation where it's going on and then you even have it in the late 1800s, even into the 1900s of this. And what, what I'll go into what textual criticism is. But you have the back and forth looking at all these doct- uh, all these documents and manuscripts and everything that are supposed to be, where they're comparing and contrasting between different scholars of religious universities, whether they're Protestant, whether they're evangelical, whether they're Lutheran, whether they're Jesuits. Jesuit. Yes, there's many, 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 many Jesuit universities as well. And that's why Georgetown, we're, right?: Yes, George, And you have Loyola. Georgetown. You have Loyola right the guy's name (laughs) yeah the guy who started the jesuits exactly so and that's why we'll we'll give more of a background on the jesuits and everything it's still because there's still more to talk about on that but like that's the thing though it's when you see the documented workings that they have of even manipulating not even necessarily manipulating when i when i say manipulating it just goes back to on translation of who puts the stamp on saying that This is the true meaning. This is what it's saying and stuff. And I've seen because I also know what Christianity, a lot of Christianity follows as well uh, when it comes to a lot of certain things in scripture. And I see also how what they're coinciding with. In the broader spectrum is literally what the Roman Catholic Church said. Yes, this is what it is. Oh,
1: and, and hear me out real quick, though. Mm-hmm. Hear me out. From Rome's perspective, the Pope rules over more than just the Vatican. He rules over the earth spiritually and materially, like I said before. Um, so you're a Catholic, and, they, and the Pope goes, oh, well, you're a heretic, and you don't belong in this church if you don't get the jeb. If you have disagreed with it from there on, you are not a Catholic anymore. Now you just live by Catholic... Well to them you're a heretic and that you deserve to be you know exiled and all that but now it's like you could still have your catholic foundations but you're not a catholic anymore because if you were then you'd have to the pope you'd have to you know give the pope a reach around if he says so yeah so it, that that's it, it's that literal Like you're not a Catholic at that. If you're not abiding to the Pope, Rome says the Pope rules over you, me, everybody, this and that. If you're Roman Catholic, he says, get the jab. He says to go, you know, touch a little boy's peepee and you don't do it. You're, you're, um, you know, you're an enemy to the group. And so it's like, we, we, we want to bring this up because even like interpretations, their interpretation of say, even something like the vaccine, what they believe the vaccine is and what they're going to do. They have their own interpretation of that. They only have have their own opinion. But that's an opinion. And when you go back into scripture, it's the same thing. Some guy said this is what it is. But do you really know? Have you looked deep into it? Or are you going by blind faith? And if you're going by blind faith, which talk about investment, you're investing your whole life into that. Your life is on the line. Wouldn't it be smart to really get down to the the details of everything and make sure what it is that you're following and the doctrines you live and the the morals and values you live by are true instead of just showing up at God's house on Sunday and just being uh, peace peace be with you and peace be with you I don't know
0: maybe I'm being harsh oh not not only that I mean they they changed the true day of the Sabbath day of the Sabbath was supposed to be Saturday it was supposed to be Sunday according to the traditional real word of God, Sabbath was Saturday. And there's many, there's many intellectual findings. That's because the
1: Sabbath is Saturn. Yeah. And Saturn is Saturn day, Saturday, Sabbath day. And also Saturn rules the crown chakra. Jesus was crowned the Sabbath day.
0: And it's very, crowned. it's very much documented. It's very much documented how, how and why in the reasonings of the Vatican doing that, but not to get and too Easter off. too. Yeah. Easter. Yeah, absolutely. Same yep. Same thing.
1: That's a, that's a pagan according to, if you were to call it pagan, pagan holiday of worshiping orgies and sex and fertility. Mm-hmm. And I dude, you know what's funny? I got fact checked on that. I went and I found that that is true. That is true. Facebook fact checked me they, and all, and they didn't even hit me with like, Oh, this is the actual truth. They just said, Oh, that's false. And I went and found it Mm -hmm. in multiple areas. And you could say my sources are wrong, but no, I'm talking about like ancient, uh, other ancient cultures saying that that was Ishtar and Tammuz is in the Bible. And it is that day. When you look back into that day of worship, they did have orgies on that day. Constantine and his boys rallied up the Playboy bunnies and had Hmm. days of orgies. Wow. And then we, ch- then he, Constantine changed that day for the actual day that we worship Jesus's resurrection.
0: Mm-hmm. That's crazy. That's, uh, that's absolutely fucking crazy. Cause I mean, and that's, and that's the thing though, all these feasts and festivals that they've come up with as well for, and, and even just saints and stuff like that. Like there's a lot of things that they've pulled out that we, we, we know briefly on them and stuff, but we don't. A lot of times we don't really look at the true backstory of a lot of even these so-called saints and, um, you know, people that we're were honoring with these feasts and everything. Yes, I'm sure I get a lot of people don't, you know, celebrate these things and stuff. But, um, you know, there is still a lot of people that do, you know, especially people that are Roman Catholic or even Italians. A lot of Italians, San Gennaro Fest, uh, you know, all these different, especially especially in Italy. Especially in Italy, there's so many different festivals that go on and stuff that they, they, they party around this stuff. And, and well, you know,
1: and going back to intentions, like you could have, you could have these gatherings, and the intentions are: I'm going to get together with people, I'm going to have a good time, mm-hmm. I'm going to be with family, you know, Christmas, uh, uh, um, the time of merriment and drinking and having some fun and all that. But when you look at it, and and that's fine, and the act of it isn't heresy. But did you know that it was called? in Roman times Saturnalia and it was a drinking like a like a four three four day run of drinking and getting you know getting drunk and celebrating gods mm-hmm. like like Jupiter and Mars and all that like that's what Christmas originally was yeah and then when you, you know so you know the reasoning why you celebrate it the celebration isn't bad you know family and all that yeah but no but
0: exactly the reasoning but you know the reasoning if we talk about the whole thing of of swing it onto an energetic pendulum and and everything and stuff you do you really know what you're feeding you know by doing that you know by doing those certain things it may seem like it's harmless but do we actually know if it if it is i'm not trying to say like hey you don't know what you're doing by celebrating this day or something like that so don't do it not saying that you know because that's my new favorite word that's fear mongering on its own you know but but i just it's a it's food for thought it's food for thought so just I mean, just know your roots. Yeah.
1: That's all we're saying. Know your like if you're going to be something, then go be it. Don't just say you're it. Show up at church on Sunday. And go well. I'm that. Understand your history. Understand your truth. Don't just listen to the guy in the robe. Like go find out for yourself. We live in. We have. The As much as we're not free, we are free because you can go look up whatever, you can go grab any book you want. We were just talking about how before they were printing Bibles, it was illegal to read yeah. those Bibles. You know, you you live in a time, shit, where you can go find out if something was true or not. Just put a little effort in. If you're going to be a Catholic, if you're going to be a Christian, if you're going to be a Protestant, understand your history and understand the true roots of things yeah. before you say you're something.
0: No, yeah, The Bible warns of false prophets and preachers, so... I mean, right. hey, well, wolves in sheep clothes and sheep's clothing. right? Yeah. So you could say ta- mm. you could take it that way. So, I mean, with all this stuff that happened, this is what leads to a whole bunch of different denominations. Um, and with all these new denominations, uh, there was just years of religious mayhem. The clergy preached radical new ideas and then other people interpreted them in even more radical ways. Uh, people especially young people smashed up churches because the bible says no graven images they were taking things literal at this point too as well so what started as doctrinal dispute turned into a social revolt and then in 1525 german peasants took up luther's idea to give voice to long standing grievances against landlords and clergymen so in their most famous revolution uh, this proclamation, the twelve articles the peasants echoed luther 's language proclaiming that serfdom was invented by men and with no basis of scripture so at this point peasants are 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 rebelling and refusing to pay taxes they pillaged church lands and then raised an army estimated of three hundred thousand people oh. was, that, was it did i say fifteen did I say fifteen fifteen twenty five or was it twenty twenty one twenty twenty Wait a minute, I'm confused. I feel like it's happening today. Everything I'm saying—that's oh, exactly what's happening. <laughs>
1: Fucking idiots. Like I, 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 I still question humanity's intelligence only because it's not even intelligence. Like it's just awareness. I mean, at this point, my bells are rung. Like, oh wow, they were doing this back in the day, and we're doing it again. And they just called it Protestant and Roman Catholic, and now today we call it. But there, it's still like religious. Like you still have denominations fighting. But then we have democratic. Now we have another layer.
0: No, now we so have a ones.
1: political layer on top of a religious layer on top of an individual layer on top of a of a racism layer on top of a sexism layer on top of a. Uh, I don't know. Race I, theory, I, like we hate everything. each
0: other over fucking sports teams. Yeah, you know. That's what I mean. Uh, there's. Hold your blasphemous. Own. Yes, hold your own. Hold your own, and and literally enjoy the show. Can I just say it like this? Just grow up. Grow up. There does not need to be a. There does need to be immaturity. Um, it's.
1: It, there is. It is immature to smite someone else because their beliefs. When none of us truly, truly, truly have the answer. Yeah. So I mean, let's all be humble. Let's all be humble and say. I'm not gonna judge another person because I technically really don't know if what I'm believing is correct. I have every right to believe it. I have every right to go about my my life and have those things, but without smiting the other. And this became an unconscious collective habit from this era. And, and they're still trying to do it. They're still trying to destroy other people that don't believe what they believe. If you I mean like I don't care if you believe me or not, I'm gonna sound like Ken Wheeler right now. I it's not my belief, it's a fact. He says that over and over again every video. <laughs> but I've heard that. But uh but yeah like the the Jesuit order, the Vatican, Roman Catholic, you know, whatever they're still a pretty big source to our problem. We'll eventually go into more modern times, but we you know we should really get into the whole summoning of the jesuits and who they really are too.
0: No, yeah, ab- absolutely. Cuz I mean that just uh, basically all this this just goes into mass revolts the whole time and the funny thing is though is Luther also chooses cho- he he chose the elite as well. He chose to to go along that that as well and said that Christian liberty was a spiritual concept, not meant to promote equality or freedom in the physical world. So now it's at the point where it's like it doesn't even matter. This is the whole this is the whole fight for for humanist ideas as well at this point, too. You know, and they think that was, you know, yes, like I said, it caused an awakening. And this is why you had so many denominations created as well, because then people were just like at the point where they're seeing all this mayhem going on. And you have certain people that are just like, like, what the hell? We're fucking humans. Like, why are we doing this? you have the same thing of what's going on now where people are just like, what the fuck? Like, why is everybody like losing their shit? Everybody's just sitting here and and who's like, did moral values just go out the window? Everybody's acting out. Everybody's visceral. Like, you know, so you have that coming into play as well. And then you have the same the same side that that brought this into awareness that is now saying that, like, oh, yeah, well, you know, this all this whole concept does not mean that you get to promote Equality or freedom in the physical world. This is all spiritual. You're not making it all spiritual. You just made it political in a revolution. Mm-hmm. How do you expect people to take it? You expect people to just say like, "Oh, yes, it's just about the church and everything and stuff." And in the meantime, people are dying around you. Your people are getting dragged out of their homes that they know that are sitting there getting slaughtered in the street. Like, oh, I think we just witnessed a we just witnessed a bombing of a country over this.
1: So. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. And then you're getting, and of course, you have your woke, woke warriors that are ruining it because the way they revolt is absolutely ridiculous.
0: No, they, yeah, I mean, don't I mean, that's what I mean. Don't get me started on the other side of it. Like, and, you know, I, that's my thing that the whole radical side of Republicans do. Like, listen, I think they got a, a lot of good points that they make. And, and like, it's almost like that's a revolution on its own, where it's like the kind of like to I feel like in a way it has caused people to wake up more. That side with everything going on to be able to be more aware of um, of lies and deception and stuff as well. But then you have people taking it very too far as well. The radical side to just being like and they're so hyper focused on this small aspect of the issue that literally they can try and penetrate that aspect of the issue as much as they want. They'll never get to the root of the source problem because they're only looking at the layer part of it instead of looking at who's really pulling the strings. And that's what this is. This is to show you how it's really being the strings pulled, how it goes deeper than just a person or an organization or a thing or something like that. It goes down to a straight up psychology, it goes down to straight up philosophies. It goes down to straight up indoctrination of this as well. And back then, that whole that whole revolution, besides, you know, that that whole German peasants revolt was the biggest revolutionary uprising in Europe before the French Revolution. And it suppressed and it was finally like suppressed, obviously, and been everything. But it estimated about one hundred thousand people were killed from it. That's just from the revolution alone, not to mention the inquisitions, not to mention the religious persecutions and everything and stuff like that. And when it comes down to it, when you start looking at the rest of it, it's all about money. But yes, you're right. Though I do want to I do want to shed some more light on the Jesuits creation. We, we I, The Jesuits creation happens in that time, especially of the start of the uh, the Reformation and everything and stuff. But, um, you know, that that 1545 time as well but th- it is important to understand now the ideals from that counter-Reformation side that like I said it was the more personal side rather than the council and like the Council of Trent, which is more the corporate side of it. So...
1: Yeah, Jesuits are like the guys who do the dirty work.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: they they actually infiltrate... And they'll do dirty work, but a lot of they're very smart. They're very intelligent. They'll get others. They're they're like psychologically uh, adept. Like they're they they really know what they're doing, and they get others to do the dirty work too. Like if armed conflict is needed, they use the army of one nation to bring another disobedient nation to its knees. They'll find a way to Mm -hmm. infiltrate the one nation to get the other, and they'll sit and watch the fight. And I mean, does that sound familiar? Mm -hmm. Like, why do wars even begin? Like, let's go back to 9-11. Like, we know how much of a conspiracy that is. You know, could they have played both sides? Yeah. Right. Could they have caused the buildings to collapse and then say it was the other side? We don't know. Mm -hmm. You can't tell me that you do know. But we have to consider it. And then when you look back in history and realize that they did it throughout the Civil War and they did it through the World Wars and they created they went on like 30 year runs of of creating war to get things they wanted out of it, which was usually money and power.
0: Yeah. And we know that not to be strange that men of men of power and governments and stuff have used old uh, old tactics in current times to be able to accomplish uh, certain deeds To be done in in arts of war and everything and stuff. They they've they've done that. You know, it's (laughs) it's it's the radical idea of being able to fight any enemy, foreign or domestic, you know, and it it all depends on what level that gets taken to. So that's why, you know, that's why at this point, the Roman Catholic Church looks like they're backed in a corner. They feel like because this movement got way more out of hand than they think. And that's why Pope Paul III commissions the spanish soldier ignatius loyal to form the military form company of priests within the catholic church um as a counter-reformation and that's that's where they're named the society of jesus but the name jesuits comes from the reformers themselves though calling them that and like obviously right. besides the jesuits there's like other monastic orders as well that come about as well as the franciscans the dominicans the augustinians etc all those things um but many of them had to wait a great deal of time before they could be accepted. Um, the fact that in 1540, the Jesuit order was accepted and constructed shows it was actually done fast and was really pushed in order to offset the Protestant messages. So, and there's something that you really need to know also when it comes to this guy, Ignatius Loyola, um, and just even, even his own personal way of, um following this and executing this whole um basically military form company this intelligence committee pretty much to do all these things why did he feel so compelled to do it as well
1: yeah uh well it was just like constantine he actually had a dream i think just like constantine mm-hmm. he saw he saw a prophetic things going on like he was he felt like he was the messenger he felt like he had the answer like a lot of jerk offs too mm-hmm. a lot of jerk offs in history go well i'm the guy i'm i'm the man mm-hmm. you know so I, i'm gonna bring in my way of seeing things and make sure people know and i mean if you just know simple psychology you know how to manipulate human beings i think know?
0: also think about think about why why that happened to him too as well because in, in 1521 that he um he got wounded really bad um, during a yeah. battle, shot in the leg, shattered his leg. And you got to remember, they got no painkillers, then no surgery cast, none of that stuff. And so basically, he's better ridden as an invalid to heal. So at that point, that's when he starts making his move to, you know, well, I mean, that's that's at the point where Martin Luther in 1521 was starting to make his moves already at that point. So now with Ignatius sitting there residing in north in northern Spain he begins to turn his attention towards um towards prayer and since he's basically his opportunity as being the soldier um, basically was pretty much done this is where he starts to turn to his faith now and imagine that just imagine the the the, the psychology behind that and the trauma behind that as well so you have a very traumatic thing that's and painful thing that's fueling you to turn to your faith and to develop a very important articulation and role of prayer or the practice of it, along with meditation and mindfulness and manifestation of the cross. Like you're saying, he has this vision and stuff. So like this literally becomes the hallmark of like Jesuit spirituality. And, and, and this is, this is the fuel to his fire.
1: Yeah. And you know, they, the, the Jesuits, and this was in a book called uh, Vietnam, Why Did We Go?, and the, and the author talked about how they followed through a plan um, where they would, you know, and then this plan actually was, a glo- it was like a global plan. It was they did it in Japan, China, Korea, Vietnam, and all along the Pacific Rim. They would go and put their Catholic ideals onto the major religious populace of the country. And this was attempted a lot in the Far East. they, where they where the, In the Far East, they had practiced Buddhism. And these uh, converts to the Catholicism would try and push their, their beliefs on the Buddhist friends. And when their Buddhist friends rejected it, the Catholics would actually try and use force. And then so as this carries on, because of the Buddhists, they would appeal to the local government the, the state governments and all that, they would actually appeal to all the governments. And it got so bad in Japan in, uh, this, this forwards ahead a little bit, but in 1639, the Japanese emperor said no more Catholics and no more Europeans on our Island. And that ban stayed there for two centuries. And it was because they tried to infiltrate and go in and get all these, these Buddhists to forcefully start believing in the Catholicism. So that was part of it. And they start doing that all around the world, Japan, China, Korea, all that. Um, and that, you know that was their mission was was a global one and it still is they're still trying to manipulate the world to the way they see it
0: yeah they would sit there and and like i said earlier that they would try to sit there and be like uh com- they would learn they would learn that's that's how much they were that's how much they were scholars was they, they would sit there and learn uh, the language of whatever land that they were in they would learn the culture of it they would learn the beliefs of those people as well and then sit there and convince them that whatever beliefs that they were saying are exactly the same beliefs that they're preaching about they would t- use symbolism they would use artwork they would they would they would use imagery to be able to sit there and that's what a big part of even the reformation was was besides literature it was art and and and, and the visualization of these things to have that was that was the angle of the Roman Catholic Church was it, there was an order through all the churches to sit there and create a grandiose spectacle of of the divine artwork and everything to leave an awe impress like leave this very dramatic awe impression of of the divine faith and everything and stuff to move people in a sense that would draw them to it and they felt compelled and it would, it would allow emotions to ignite. If you got the emotions to ignite, you got the vulnerability of the people to be able to penetrate them with whatever you're trying to indoctrinate them with. And that Simple was their psychology. main movement. And the thing was mm-hmm. the reformers definitely knew that already. That's why the reformers were going based off of no creed but the Bible that was their thing they were like no nah, they were like we're not going to sit here and make our cathedrals look like that because one they were very much so about the bible and they were saying um that's a form of idolatry that's a form of, of of sitting there and giving way too much power to the church itself and all these figures and everything so that so that's where they go and then not only that the jesuits act like i said as an intelligence committee they would go there and as pretty much as like these the spies and sit there and and study these other cultures' tool making, their agriculture skills, their, their, their different types of mathematics, their different types of, of astrology, of, of all different things. I've, one of the things was in Japan was um, the making of porcelain. They saw that and they took that because they were also trying to be the world domic- domiciles of trade as well. And they were taking that and bringing it back to Europe and also spreading it into the new world as well. And they were making their stance a lot bigger. They were like, hey, if we're going to play, play along and we're going to get the world on board, we need to make sure we know everything about every part of the world. They were not playing any games. These people. Yeah, well, we with the, with the Jesuits, they had an oath. And we
1: got to understand that these men died to their own self-will. There was no such thing and still is no such thing as a disobedient Jesuit. Mm-hmm. Like they have no life. They feel as if they are dead with Christ. And when Christ is revealed, who is their true savior, that they shall be revealed with the glory of him, that their only purpose is to do the will of their master. And when he's finished with them, then they die and perish. The Jesuits though, don't, if they're, if they're actually not worshiping the God in the Bible though. They're doing it they're doing it for in a sense the devil, the, the separation of the God in the Bible, you know? And and honestly, when you go, when you look back on the on how the Jesuits were kind of like have trained themselves, like it was very marine like. They completely emptied their own personalities, uh, and upon the order of their commander would do exactly as they're told. You know, they're all under orders and an entry of at least fifteen years, too. But their soldiers are more of a marine corps than than the marines are really. The Marines were fashioned actually after the Jesuit order. You break the man down at boot camp, you rob him of his personality, you shave his head, you put all the same clothes on and then treat him all the same and treated like dirt, robbed of their own will. And that's all Jesuit is. It's how they think. Yeah. If given the order, they will kill you. They'll kill me. They'll kill themselves, even their mother. Anything
0: they're ordered to do, they will do. They would die for the cause. They would die for the Pope.
1: Yeah. And and, and they. to be honest with you, no country can really exist properly without a Jesuit. And this is according to history. This is, this is historically speaking that Jesuits have caused nothing but problems and it stems from them just being for the papacy and for the control and Rome never fell. And uh, there was a, um, there was a, I think a Pope or a King back in 1820. He had them removed from the country. Uh, Alexander, his name was, uh, he kicked all the Jesuits out of Russia, and then it only took two years. In 1822, he took down all Masonic lodges, and then in 1825, he was poisoned. And that's like their mod. That's their MO: poison. They loved poisoning people. Mm-hmm. Now it's you know, you know, oh man, I don't even want to. I won't even. I won't even go there. I
0: mean, I it's <laughs> pretty pretty similar. Uh, you know. Uh,
1: I mean, I was going to get a little more. Uh, I just won't go there. But I'll just say that they kill people today, yeah. and they do it in their own way too. Mm-hmm. You know, because history speaks, though. Like, this is documented that th- that's what these people do. And they still exist. I mean, I bet you most people don't even know who the Black Pope is. Mm-hmm. And that's not skin color, by the way. Yeah, no. Like, you have the White Pope, the, the one you see. And the Black Pope, he's he's the superior, gen- superior general of the order. Yeah. he He's the official title. Like, he's the guy. And he's generally addressed, actually, as Father General. Mm-hmm. And the position sometimes calls the nickname uh, the black pope.
0: Now now what do you but, now what do you say to people though that would sit there and be like, oh that's a conspiracy? You know what I mean? About about the black pope and its actual the, the like the black pope actually having an existence. Or is the black pope even an actual like person or is it Oh like, yeah, no, you could look it up. Or is it like a head? It's the superior general, it's the guy who runs the Jesuit order. Hmm.
1: It's it's the leader. He's daddy. And the black Pope is actually a conspiratorial name, by the way. Hmm. The real, the real
0: term is superior general. Yeah, I did. I did see that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, that's the thing. So
1: if you want to look up the black Pope, you can. And actually, if you go to Wikipedia, they say it in the Wikipedia that, oh, conspiracy theorists call him the black Pope.
0: Hmm. Mm -hmm. And what's funny, though, is even though the popes during these old times or whatever, they, uh. You know, create. You know, basically uh, helping the creation of of this Jesuit order and everything and stuff. The way it's recorded now in history, um, and more so, I'll 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 just say on the internet, as far as if you were to look it up, as far as Jesuit popes, it won't show you that any pope was a member of the Jesuits, except for one pope, and that pope is our current pope. That's the only pope it says that that's an yeah. actual active member of the society of Jesus, which are the Jesuits.
1: Right. Well, and the, but if you want to get back into history and think like, all right, well, if so, if there was only one Jesuit Pope and it's now, then what does that have to do with the, the past? Well, it's like, you have to look at the past with even Protestant ministers, which should have actually stood up against the Catholics, but records actually showed the opposite. They were showing up at Catholic churches. Mm-hmm. Um, like you had Protestant ministers or people like Robert Schuler, or you had people like Billy Graham, right? Mm-hmm. And these were all big evan- evangelists. And Billy Graham is actually a 33rd degree Freemason. And according to sources, the Billy Graham organization denies it, but it's the truth because it was admitted by Jim Shaw. And, you know, they both believe that. You know, once it's that whole uh, Jesuit motto of like, you know, saved by grace of God or, and their, their God, not the God of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And so you have like Robert Shuler, you have Billy Graham, 33rd degree Masons, you had two presidents, Gerald Ford and, and, and who pardoned Nixon and Jimmy Carter. And they were all at the Grand Council. You could see these people congregating you just don't know why they're congregating. But these, if you're a Protestant, we just explained you the history. Why are Protestant ministers and actual Protestants, uh, like in the, in the religion itself, why are they showing up at Catholic churches taking the body of Christ? Because you, they're all, they're all in bed with each other. Cause if you can't beat them, join them. Exactly. So we have all these high-level Masonic leaders, black or white, all various different religions working together for agitation among the peoples of this country, and never ever exposing the papacy, which is the true heart and soul of their real master. Yeah. And on and and to find out that I mean, like, we can't give you every single answer on this podcast right now. It would take many episodes and many, you know, uh, like records and facts and all that. But but you live in the age where if. You want to believe us, or at least try it, or go find, or if you want to debunk what what we're trying to say, then go find it. You know, and that's where ignorance steps in. Well, I don't need to go that's, so I'm not going to go on the internet. Oh, there's a bunch of conspiracies on the internet. It's like, dude, that's where we get all our information now. All of us. Yeah. Who the hell watches the news?
0: I mean, if you're, I
1: th- if, you're if I mean, people do, but you know what I mean.
0: That's the funny thing, though. I mean, because it's a lot of this even information, even from where I got it from. Like, it's yes, it's it's. There's a lot of accounts through actual uh, Roman Catholic, um, uh, what's it called? Roman Catholic documentation, also Protestant documentation, also the cross-reference between both sides as well. Even other types of religious groups as well and different scholars and more so historians as well that, you know... Don't necessarily, I put that in quotes, don't necessarily have any ties to either or of the denominations and stuff like that. But once again, it's not about the fact that it's like, oh, I'm going to listen to this one source only. Well, no. What's the actual documentation? And that's what I was saying before about the whole thing with the textual criticism movement is because That's what shows to be a big part of one understanding that a lot of this is really actually factual, that a lot of this was is is something that is still debated until this day. Yes, of course, it doesn't show up in our news at all. We barely hear about about really important things in our local news that what's going on and stuff. You think you're going to hear about the the, what what they're understanding about these different societies and about the Vatican and everything and stuff like that. You know something that was a big that was a big thing that happened when it came to uh, authenticating manuscripts and stuff like that between the Vatican archives and everything was in, was back in like 2009 and they were waiting years to get confirmation and stuff and it was um, it was being conducted by a, a university I forget which university it was but it was being conducted by a university and stuff and what's funny about that university was the person who was doing it um, was supposedly a protestant but later on afterwards this was after a few years when they were supposed to get the information which it got shut down it was like that basically the Vatican stopped letting whatever this university was look at it and the university didn't even fight back to look at it but this so part the so called protestant type or whatever it was maybe it was evangelist no maybe it was lutheran i forget but they also a lot of the people that were in that um uh uh looking at i think it was the vaticanus um it was it was the codex vaticanus that they were looking at to be able to um, and I'll, I'll talk about this in a later episode because it's just too much right now to go into. But when they were looking at that to cross-reference this one manuscript that had a big, big, big part to play in understanding God's word and everything. Um, this Protestant or whoever, went, stuff like that, was working with the Catholic Church. But it was apparently was not part of the Roman Catholic Church, but had many ties and was funded by the Roman Catholic Church. So you has got to follow the breadcrumbs. Oh, that's the thing. And you got to follow the money. That's that's another big thing with it is yeah. is following is following the money at that point as and well. Power. yeah and it's the same thing with even back then and and and, and during those times of this this uh, this creation of of reformation and the orders and oaths being taken and everything you know is is you know even the point of Luther so Luther chooses princes in the name of stability and successes at one point but why would uh, why would princes choose Lutheranism when the Holy Roman Emperor had forbidden it, and the Holy Roman Emperor was, um, the one who was con controlling the princesses and the kings and and those nobilities and everything? But if you look look at an example, the first actual ruler who broke with the Pope, uh, he was the frequently divorced and the founder of angel which was henry um the eighth of england and apparently that's what history tells you but it's actually it was grandmaster albert of the teutonic order of monks and uh, he was a crusade with the crusaders who they came to rule parts of what is now Poland. So many Teutonic Knights have individually left the order for Lutheranism because they liked the theology. And then Albert started reading Lutheran tracts and he became a fan, allowing Lutheran preachers into his cities and even traveling to meet with Lutheran person. So this is where you have, you see the mixing of, you know, these opposing sides, but somehow working together. You know why? Because money talks and bullshit walks. So, Personal intention. Yeah, exactly. At that point it's just like, yeah, but if I can so if I can fund this, I'm gonna do it. So on Luther's advice, Grandmaster Albert dissolved the Teutonic State and founded instead the Duchy of Prussia. And Albert established a Lutheran church there, the first Lutheran state church. But it's unlikely that Albert was really motivated by a desire to purge the church of corruption. I mean at the time of this decision, the Grand Master had been in trouble. He was losing a territorial battle against the rest of Poland, and he was running out of money. So by breaking with the church, Albert was able to seize the church assets within his territory, when uh, which bolstered his military might and then allowed him to settle the war favorably. So in another major plus, now that he was a Duke instead of a Grand Master monk, he could get married and produce heirs, which he did, and... He founded the house of uh, Hohenzel, Hohenzollern, I can never say it, but uh, and he was destined to unify and rule the German Empire a few centuries later. And this points to a huge incentive for princes and kings to break with the pope. What if instead of the church having all the money and power, we have the money and power? You know what I mean? So it's, it comes to this point where it's like everybody starts doing these shady little backdoor deals and everything as well, too it's not it's not about it's not about religion at this point it's not about no
1: it's and and to be honest with you you are talking about documentation of things happening and the and these moves being made you can look right in the oath of the jesuits and you can look in the council of trent of their of their doctrines and i'm going to read off some of counsel, the council of trent's major doctrines and you could go get their doctrines like on their website like you can go find this document this book um the council of trent m- made And I'm going to read six of them. These are the major doctrines of the Council of Trent, which most, if not all, of these people live by. Um, Number one, Pope's interpretation of the Bible is final, no questions. Number two, alternate interpretation equals heresy. Number three, Christians are saved by faith and good works. Number four, the Bible and church tradition shared equal authority for guiding a Christian's life. Number five, indulgences, pilgrimages, and venerations of holy relics were all valid expressions of Christian uh, piety. Number six, false selling of indulgences were banned. There's your major doctrines of the council. Now, number one always gets me because Pope's interpretation of the Bible is final. But what really gets me is the oath of the Jesuit order who is underneath all of this. Mm-hmm. Is, so this is the Jesuit mindset. And this is read from the spiritual exercises of the Jesuit doctrines, mm-hmm. that it's normal to kill, lie, cheat, and steal It's okay to kill your enemy. It's okay to kill a woman you committed adultery with. And if she'd want to tell on you, then you can most definitely kill her. And it's all right in the canon laws and doctrines. Like the whole world is a candy shop for these people. They could steal everything that they get their hands on and consolidate it under the power of the Jesuit order. If this means killing kings, sinking ships, crashing a plane into a building, whatever, if it causes their own death, it doesn't matter. And so I'm going to go into the Jesuit the actual oath. And this is from the book. This is from the spiritual. I'm going to read word for word. So when a Jesuit priest is elevated to a high command, he's administered to what is called the Jesuit extreme oath of induction. This, this oath has been called the fourth vow or the blood oath given to those in the society of Jesus, besides the traditional vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. Um, And you can find this in the congressional record. Here we go. This is the Jesuit oath. I do further promise and declare that I will have no opinion or will of my own. That's from the spiritual exercises of Loyola or any mental reservation, whatever, whatever even is a corpse or cadaver, but will unhesitatingly obey each and every command that I may receive from my superiors in the militia of the Pope. I furthermore promise and declare that I will make and wage relentless war as I am directed to do. uh, Sorry. as I'm directed to do, and exterminate Protestants and liberals from the face of the whole earth, I will neither spare age, sex, or condition. I will hang, burn, waste, boil, fillet, strangle, and bury alive these infamous heretics. I will rip up their stomachs and wombs of their women and crush their infant's head against the wall in order to annihilate, for, annihilate forever their inscrepable race, and then it goes on. That's actually from the congressional record. Yeah. Without me, you know, stumbling over my own words, but that, that's... They're basically saying kill, kill the Protestants and liberals. It's okay to age, sex, or condition. Burn them, hang them, fillet them. And fillet—I couldn't believe fillet was in there.
0: And you and you think and I—I I just hear it. I feel like I hear people sometimes, and they're just like, "Yeah, but that was then." You know, you think that anybody really still believes in that and and follows that and stuff. Yeah, Do people. It's still, in the Congress. Do people record. still follow other things? Do people still follow other old beliefs? And things do we not have radical Islamic terrorism as well and stuff? That's not to say that all uh, Islamic uh, cultured people are terrorists and stuff, but like we're so worried about that. What about this type of I- I- ideology of uh, this is terrorism on its own? What about this? Why aren't we worried about this? Why aren't we talking about this type of radicalization? We're so worried about other things that when you when you compare it, I think Candace Owens actually did it. She compared it when somebody was saying about white supremacy and she literally said she goes on the scale of all the other threats that we have in our nation or even just around the world and stuff like that. White supremacy is nowhere even near on the bottom of the list. Not to say that it's that it doesn't exist. It's there. But the actual statistical threat of other types of radical idealism and everything and stuff like that. There's way more beyond. And I believe this even on its own is still something that is still an actual issue and a problem. It just gets passed off through everyday society, just being going underneath the scope. Like, you know what I mean? It goes, well, it goes in the, it goes in the, in the, in the shadows.
1: And if you would like to look it up yourself and the congressional record, it is called the extreme oath of induction. Also called the fourth vow. And there's actually a video of, like, this uh, this girl who's part of some activist movement. And she goes to the actual, like, Congression, or, like, they, she, they go and actually visit the black pope, because that's how much he's not, like, it's not some hidden thing. It's just most people don't know about it, because it's never talked about. You always see the white pope. But, like, you can easily go find out where he is, what they do. You can go to their church. And they went, this activist... Uh, these activists, and uh she actually reads it from him, and you should see his face he's acting like he's like, "Ah, oh, I' never seen that I' never seen that before. This is like as if I told you something was in the Bible and I actually read you the thing and and then it, just because i was I had a problem with it you're like, oh, I don't know what that is uh, Someone almost have put it in there. His reaction was priceless. you could totally tell that he knew what she was talking about. Hmm. so they know, and they could change it but they haven't you can go find it so
0: that's it it's, very interesting. it's really it's really has to be it can it can't just be glossed over this can this can't be glossed over because you know we want like I just said we want to talk about other radicalized ideals that we feel are a threat to humanity as well and stuff this is just as much very alive as all the other ones if not even worse you know why it's even worse? Because it's the fact that it's a practice of something way higher up than just your normal citizens.
1: Oh, the Vatican's pretty serious.
0: <laughs> <laughs> very, very much so. To the point where they're willing to rewrite history. To the point where, like I was talking about, that whole thing was, uh, uh, you know, uh, with the whole textual criticism thing, you got to remember. So during the Middle Ages and the Reformation, uh, a move the movement... Began amongst scholars, priests, and believers, and with the printing press in full motion, developing printings of religious texts and studying manuscripts and their authenticity of the words of God. There came what was known as textual criticism, and which there's many different. You know, during that time, Richard Simon was considered the father of textual criticism. So you can, which was Richard Simonus, actually, but um, which you can look it up. And he was actually educated by uh, uh, by a Jesuit priest. And then he was ordained himself. Um, and there was things like uh La Priere uh who deployed findings of pre-Adamites and battled that out with many different codexes uh from from the Vatican and stuff to try to 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 show that as well. Uh but then time and context that was set by Salmon, who joined with Ignatius, and they paved the way for Richard Simon and this whole textual criticism and textual criticism basically is a branch of textual scholars, uh, uh, philology, and of uh, literary criticism that is concerned with the identification of textual variants or different versions of either manuscripts or printed books. Such texts may range in dates from the earliest writings in cuneiform impressed on clay, for example, to multiple unpublished versions of 21st century authors work. Historically, Scribes who were paid to copy documents may have been literate, but many were simply copyists mimicking the shapes of letters without necessarily understanding what they meant. This means that unintentional alterations, but also intentional alterations, were common when copying manuscripts by hand. Um, as far as in, uh, intentional alterations, Those may have been made as well. For example, the censoring of printed work for political, religious or cultural reasons. The objective of the textual critics works is to provide a better understanding of the creation and historical transmission of the text and its variants. And this was a huge, huge problem in that time, especially in 1502, where you have uh, preparations for uh, uh, for the uh, complutention which did this this edition began at that time, um, 12 years before the printing of the New Testament volume and then 20 years before its distribution for the New Testament um, uh, eximines provided... St- Uh, Stunico, with a staff of at least three scholars and uh, and procured for him manuscripts from the Vatican Library. The Greek text published in the uh, Complutention edition was therefore a much more accurate representation of Greek manuscripts than Erasmus. Um, And Erasmus, you got to look, was actually he furthered the revolution of the Bible by translating Greek to Latin, which was very different interpretation from the Roman Catholic church. Uh, and his work was later used. Um, but so, so what happens during all this time is you have many different types of, of things coming about like Texas receptus. You have the codex Vaticanus you even have in the 1800s, like I wanted to talk about before, but I I'll save it. it it's, um, uh, the Codex Sinaiticus, and there's a whole crazy story that goes on uh, between these two Protestant, well, I definitely know one Protestant, and, but it, and they were duking it out. Basically, this guy got called out, this German guy got called out for um, uh, basically forging something that he found that was somebody else's uh, manuscript work that was not made to deceive at all, that was not made to be used as definite, it was just a literary work. And it ended up being used by the Vatican as actual scriptural. um, uh, What's it called as actual scriptural uh, criticism to be able to have the Pope, which the Pope used it as a serious alteration of, uh, of of what they were preaching of the word of God. And it was a huge, huge thing. And it got called out. It got called out big time and stuff. But at that point. The Jesuit order and the papacy had so much influence and power that they shut it down. They were able to just keep it, keep it from from reaching uh, reaching the real the real truth of it, and that's how it works.
1: Yeah, so we're and uh, you know you said you want to get into this and that, and it's just such a big topic that we're going to have a little mini series on this, and we we want to bring it up also in modern times and how this ties in and how it leads up to now, and how they played both sides of wars, how they've caused nothing but chaos and and it can, it can even leave up or lead up to today with this whole virus situation yeah. and 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 everything that we're experiencing as a collective mm-hmm. now, yeah. um you know. It's not just a story being told here. This is, these are things that affect
0: our lives still as much as you're talking about the uh, fact checking back then, basically. And we have fact checking now. Yeah. Same shit. Yeah.
1: Even astrology says that things are going to repeat the witch trials and all that. It's literally it's what's going on. So things are repeating themselves and it's due to human beings and them not being aware and not in their own power and not having the access to the knowledge. And what's different about today than back then is we have the access to all the knowledge that we want. And it's all a matter of choice at this point. It, it was maybe less of a choice for them back in the, in, the, in the dark ages. But there was a reason why it was called the dark ages is because that they were in the dark. They weren't able to. But now we are. Yeah. so. We can make the change. You know, I hear cer- certain people say, oh, it's, you know, I mean, yeah, all the stuff's a conspiracy and it probably have it or most of it's true, but what are you going to do about it, you know? Might as well just go back to work and watch football on Sundays. It's like, no, no. Yeah. no.
0: Listen, Now yeah. it's just lazy.
1: Yeah.
0: Now it's just lazy. It's not that you got to stop living your life necessarily, but it's no. like you, you can understand at that point When you really understand this stuff, you could understand where you may possibly be feeding it and where you also tend to take the road of uh, let me just shut my mouth and not say anything and allow whatever I see going on around me uh, happen. You know what I mean? Like none of my business. And listen, I get it. I get it. I get it. That's, That's honestly a way I was taught that I was like, don't don't be meddling in other people's business. Don't be sitting there trying to be a hero. Don't do this and don't do that and you know what I mean, stick to your stick to yourself, know your worth, know your truth and and that's it. But there comes a point where that starts to get threatened when you don't speak up. When you don't initiate that sort of controversial conversation with other people, like-minded and not like-minded, to be able to get the collective consciousness Flowing in a state that it's like, hold the hell on. We were victims back then. Basically, we allowed ourselves to play victim as well back then. And we're allowing the same thing to go on now. We have now we have the choice. Yeah, we have the choice. We have the numbers. We have the numbers. We're not. We're we're the majority compared to these these elite, these 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 higher orders of whatever the fuck they are. We're the majority of it. And if we are to all wake up to it and we are to all push back just a little bit, each one of us push back just a little bit, it is too big of a force for them to reckon with. Plain and simple.
1: Yep. Take right form or or, or get right information and then take right action.
0: And that's it. That's, that's all it takes. Get in,
1: inform yourself and then take right action.
0: Yep. Stay in your sovereignty and that's the divine work.
1: It doesn't mean go be a complete revolutionary like, you know. Go cause anarchy and chaos. Like there's a form of anarchy that's good. It's like let's tear shit up uh, more on the idealistic side of things, so we can change the world. Not go actually burn down buildings and yeah. threaten people and all that. You know? Hammer, so we got
0: to get that right. Go hammer a ninety-five uh, thesis on uh, on uh, on mass mandates to a <laughs> door, and people do things like that. People people do do things like that, and you know what? It still works into the whole into the whole you know visual and literary side of it and stuff to spark that type of emotion on that side, and it's not destructive. So I mean, yeah. I I listen something like that. I could get behind. I could get behind. But I mean, people do do that, but they do that differently nowadays, right? They do that now on the internet. They do that on social media platforms where people congregate more on those on those places. So.
1: So I think on that note I think that
0: that does it that was chock for now
1: yeah yeah. we got we got enough to understand that the Vatican uh, you know Roman ideals and and the powers that be and the Jesuit order is all real it's all bad Um, like it's not the way it's being applied and and the usage and and we're going to go deeper and to find out how our wars were started Uh, the Federal Reserve Mm -hmm. and you know in the lead up to it the Civil War it goes back to yeah, our whole history of our nation's built on this, so it's time we clear
0: it up. Yep, yeah. we're gonna go through that timeline of 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 the society as we know it today, and how it's shaped and molded by all this, by all these ideals, by all so, these occurrences in history. So, yes, sir. It's gonna be a bumpy ride.
1: Well, on that note, as you guys know, follow us on all social media platforms. We appreciate you sitting back and listening to us. Ramble about the truth, you know. Yeah. We appreciate you, but yeah. F- um, get us on our Patreon, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You know where we're at, and uh, please share our work. We would love you know our uh, we we saw our subscribers go up a little bit after that uh, after that Santos video and a Chintia. So we mm-hmm. we we got a little high off of that. You know we we enjoyed seeing it. We want to see more. So please share as much as you can subscribe to, to all of our platforms and, uh, and help us spread the the word.
0: Yeah. Keep commenting, reaching out. It was nice being able to hear a lot of the feedback as well from everybody and to spark up certain little conversations here and there. So yeah, definitely keep that up. We appreciate it.
1: Yep. All right guys. Till next time.
0: All right. Take care.